on the left side. Stone to the right, back in front, they score! Tic-tac-toe to Donov, back to Stone! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Theodore finds Wah in the slot, but overtime hero against Montreal, sets it up for Theodore, he scores! Vegas wins in overtime! Shea Theodore, the hero! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios and live at lbsportsnetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Well, let's get right into it. Hardcore VGK talk coming up for the next 25 minutes as we take you through today's return to City National Arena and the practice before the team departed for a two-game set in Alberta starting tomorrow night in Edmonton. Five o'clock pregame show, six o'clock start against the Edmonton Oilers. Lineup uh, news coming out from the Oilers uh, in just a little bit. And we'll also uh, tee you up for Wednesday's game against the Calgary Flames in which uh, the Flames have been riding high as of late. So two big games for the Vegas Golden Knights over the next uh, couple of days as they return to action and play these games that were previously postponed. Uh, This is the Olympic break that was uh, originally set to send the National Hockey League off to the Olympic Winter Games in Beijing and instead we're making up for uh, some lost time and it's it's a cool little schedule for the Golden Knights. Play a couple of games, get five days off. Play a couple of games get another five days off and then you get into March madness. Yeah. The March schedule is going to be um, a lot and it's going to be a a complete sprint to the finish. But you know, for this, this April or this, this February stretch for the golden Knights, you've got important games. You've got big games uh, start tomorrow with Edmonton and Calgary, but uh, you're right. I think you have an opportunity to play a couple and then really dial some things in with practice. And I think the practice time for the Golden Knights is going to be probably the most valuable aspect of it as you continue to get closer and closer to Jack Eichel returning to or getting into the lineup for the first time for the Vegas Golden Knights. The more opportunities you have to practice, the more opportunities you have to to get him as prepared as possible for his first game, I think the better. And you also get to play some games. And, and with the way the Golden Knights went into the All-Star break, and the way Robin Leonard was playing into the All-Star break, I think you want to play as many games right now as you can because you're feeling pretty good about where your game's at. Let's set it up. Coming out of the All-Star break, the Vegas Golden Knights first place in the Pacific Division. A couple of points up on Los Angeles and the Anaheim Ducks. But it's the Oilers and the Flames that they will face on this trip. And the Flames are five points back but have... Four games in hand. So do the math on that. That's possibly eight points. If they win them all, uh, they would be even in games played, and uh, the Flames would be three points ahead of Vegas. Edmonton Oilers have four games in hand and are 49 points or uh, eight points back. So a little bit more of a cushion. This is a key couple of games. One, they haven't beat Edmonton this year. Mm -hmm. Number two, just to be able to keep the Flames and the Oilers at arm's length with those games in hand. Yeah, we look at the Golden Knights being tops in the Pacific Division, and and they are. They, they, they are tops in points and also points percentage, but the points percentage that separates the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames is 0.01%. Like yeah, the Calgary Flames identical. Are, are essentially identical with the Vegas Golden Knights. So you look at these two games, it's a really good opportunity for the Golden Knights to, to push that Edmonton Oilers team back a little bit and also get a little bit of breathing room from a Calgary Flames team that I think is going to be very good in this 
second half and continue to be the team that will eventually finish either first or second in this division. I think Calgary is coming for Vegas, and I think it's up to the Golden Knights to, to win some games against the Flames and the Oilers and, and really take care of this month to keep that distance. I would have rather play the Oilers and Flames when these games were originally scheduled because they were both kind of in a flat spot at that point. And not so right now. So here's the lineup news. First, Pete DeBoer on the availability and status of Jack Eichel. Been cleared for contact. Um, and now, you know, I mean, that's the first day of full contact he's had in, is it 17 or 18 months or something like that? So, you know, now, now it's a matter of uh, how does he respond, you know, do a little bit more the next day, a little bit more the next day. Hope for no setbacks. Uh, he feels great right now and talking to him. He's excited. And, um, you know, I don't know the, what the timeline will be, you know, but at least the process has started. Cleared for contact on this February 7th. Mm-hmm. Three months from the surgery is February 12th. Yep. So a little ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. based on that. Not yep. much, but but really right on the money a week's when it a week. comes to that. Yeah. That's big. Watching him out there in a regular colored sweater, albeit the pseudo fifth line, big. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. And, you know, it, it's an interesting situation, too, because I think all the injuries this year for the Golden Knights have kind of tempered the expectations of how quickly we might see Jack Eichel mm-hmm. getting back in the lineup because we have seen that process un- unfold for Mark Stone. We've seen that process unfold for Max Pacioretty and Zach Whitecloud. We've seen it unfold over the course of the season for a lot of different players. And it's a process getting from being able to practice in a non-contact jersey to getting into a full contact practice and seeing where you're at and seeing how your body responds. I think we understand right now that, you know, if it's two weeks, potentially three weeks, that's okay because that's kind of what the process has been this entire year. Long way from North Carolina. Where oh, yeah. he's skating on the ice with curling rings and that random person just Chris Chapman flying by. Yep. Chris Chapman, the <laughs> the only other person on the ice stumbling by him yep. uh, on the ice. I still haven't had a chance to ask Jack uh, who that person is. So he's cleared for contact, but in practice, there's not really a lot of body contact mm-hmm. or body checking. So how do you get to the point where you can ramp it up? Here's Pete DeBoer. You know, a lot of, a lot of the contact stuff we did before practice today with him. So he went on at 9.30 and was, was you know, battling with Martinez, doing, doing stuff one-on-one, you know, getting some, some real contact as opposed to what you just saw in practice there. So got to get up a little earlier, Gary. Get here. I'm just kidding. I'm just that was uh, Gary Lawless's question about <laughs> how you get uh, some body contact in practice when there's not a lot of, of body checking. And Pete DeBoer didn't miss his opportunity to uh, take a uh, a little swipe at uh, at Lawless. And Lawless, Lawless came back and tried to throw me under the bus. Oh no! Luck- luckily, he, you couldn't really hear him at the back of the room, mm-hmm. but he tried to drag me into it with the whole bag of milk thing. And oh. Yeah, uh, just what, what did cheap, he say? I ah, just talking about Millard and the bag of milk. I had no context, but Gary, I heard it. I'm on to you, and I'll get you back. You know what uh, I've noticed? Pete 
he slays you and Gary. Slays a dragon. Slays and he the serves dragon. at supper. And he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. He, 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 you guys have no shot against him. No, not against the head coach. Even if you even if you tag team, like the old handicap match in wrestling. Not a chance we're going to go at the head coach. Head coach can say whatever he wants to me. So what does, what does going on the ice with Alec Martinez mean? What happens out there? This is the scenario. They'll put a puck in the corner. Mm-hmm. And Jack will have that puck along the boards. And... Alec Martinez will defend him, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll have Jack Eichel try to take that puck around Martinez and take it to the net for 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 a play. And Martinez won't necessarily be body checking him, but will have hands on him, shoulders on him uh, at at times if he has to, uh, a hip on him, and try to keep him uh, off that puck and prevent that path. It's it's uh, a drill that that we've seen run over and over again uh, for players getting close to the lineup. Now, the intensity level, and it's great that Martinez is is a veteran player, mm-hmm. and he's working his way back in the lineup at the same time. Uh, but he can also measure like he's not going to go full out right. against Jack Eichel right away. Uh, but he is going to be able to properly give 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 the appropriate measure of intensity in this situation and Wednesday it'll be a little bit more mm-hmm. Friday it'll be a little bit more uh, there's not going to be any cross ice mid neutral zone body checks coming here when we say body contact yeah it's more though those intense uh those those matchups along the boards the, the tough you the, the stuff you see in a scrum right the, yeah. stu- the stuff that you see where you're working hard in the corner to either get possession or pull the puck off the wall and get to the front of the net those are the types of plays uh, that you're describing Darren and you know it's it's interesting because it's all about kind of dosing the stimulus right like you need to to go from not from no contact to a little bit of contact, see how your body responds. And then you, you ramp it up a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And, you know, your point on, on Martinez, a, a veteran has been around a long time. Who's also coming back from his own injury. Uh, you've got two guys that are essentially working toward the same goal and they're getting to do it together. And, Alec Martinez is a bear to play against in, down in the corner. So that's that's just a good situation to be in if you're the Golden Knights in bringing these two guys back and, and having them take contact against each other. Yeah, Jack gets to work against a solid defender, a really top-tier defender. Yeah, top four but, for this team, for sure. But for Martinez, yeah. he's working against a top-ten player in the league. It's great. So when he's back in the lineup, uh, he'll have those reps going for him. <clears throat> uh, so that's the story on Jack Eichel. For Alec Martinez, uh, the quote uh, from Pete DeBoer was, uh, "There's there's been progress, mm-hmm. but there's also been setbacks. Yeah. And one of those setbacks was COVID. But there's been steps forward and uh, steps made towards getting back into the lineup. But they're not, as much as he's made progress, they're not ready to say, yeah, He's a he's into the game time decision right window of of getting back into the lineup. So it doesn't sound like he's going to be in the lineup this week against Calgary or Edmonton. Go on the trip, mm-hmm. go to practice, and hopefully uh, continue to uh, 
get closer and closer to being in the lineup. But as of right now, uh, Alec Martinez remains in the, I don't know whether you can call him day-to-day. That's probably not accurate. More day to day, week to week. Remember that that whole. Well, I, I mean, if he's not if you, he's not a game time decision, he's not day to day. You can't call him day to day when the Golden yeah. Knights are playing essentially week to week, mm-hmm. right? Like you've got a you've got a back to back situation. If he's not playing this back to back, then he's the, the next opportunity he's going to get is going to be on Wednesday of next week. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's kind of the realistic outlook for Alec Martinez, and you don't want to rush it. You, you want to make sure that when he's ready to get back into the lineup and he can be. On, on this team and contributing on the ice that he's 100%. And, you know, you've played such a big chunk of this season right now without Alec Martinez, and it is it has been difficult. But in doing so, you've gotten to see a lot of other a lot of other guys. You've gotten to, to really get a look at some other players, and, you know, it's going to be an opportunity for someone to get a, a couple more games. But, you know, I would, I would imagine before the end of February, Alec Martinez might – find himself back in the lineup, and that would be ideal for the Golden Knights. The other update we wanted to tell you about, Zach Whitecloud will not play this week as he has uh, suffered a broken foot. We we learned uh, about that may in, indicate why he was like in and out. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that goes back that far because there was originally, it was talking about uh, the back, uh, but uh, he suffered a broken foot along the way. There, There's a guy that just... Can't get any momentum. It's amazing the numbers that he's got, though, right? Yeah, I mean, he's been fantastic. Now, every time he comes back, mm-hmm. he seems to have a huge impact right. on the game. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm clinging to in the uh, frustrating year for Zach Whitecloud health-wise is every time he returns to the lineup, he does something really incredible. He, yeah, a couple goals um, in that in that first return, and you know, for me, like I, I look at Zach Whitecloud and the steps he's taken this year, the the progress in his game, it's been really nice to see, and uh, big contract to go with it, which keeps him here in Vegas for quite a while. Um, you need him back in, you need him back in the fold, and, and you need him to get healthy, you need him to get ready, and you need Zach Whitecloud as a major part of this team as you go down the the final stretch in the season and into the playoffs. Today's practice at City National Arena had the training camp feel to it because there's so many bodies on the ice. So <laughs> I'm going to give you a little training camp update because this is what we do during during the start of the season. Is yeah. We'll start evaluating drills and plays and, and scrimmages. There was an effort by William Carlson while he was falling down, made the, the puck, uh, dance on a stick and finish on Robin Leonard. And while he was almost upside down against the boards at the scoreboard end, celebrated. And the entire practice took a moment to give him a stick tap and big cheers. Nice. For William Carlson. It was awesome. And then midway through practice, they went into power play and penalty killing modes at both ends of the ice. And Jack Eichel made a play. Well, on the power play, mm-hmm. dancing across the blue line and danced around. It was somebody in a in a yellow jersey, and I, I didn't catch the number. But he made this pull, drag, and slide by that, I mean, I'm not saying that anybody would have hit Jack if if even if he was uh, uh, allowed to be hit mm-hmm. because it was such a slick move. But boy, oh, boy. I mean, you're obviously aware it's Jack, so you're not going to be able to – you're not going to – anything goofy out there it was spectacular and i was standing with Nadi and gosher 
And we all and England was right there, and we were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> just it just I think the the sparkle in everybody's eyes went, "Ooh, that that's what we got coming." Yeah, I, I mean, we 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 know the skill. We've we've talked about the skill of Jack Eichel on this on this show quite a bit ever since the trade, and you know, quite a bit even before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a player that that has the ability to do whatever he needs to do within a game. He's got speed. He's got size. He's got strength power, everything that you could look at as an attribute you want in a player, Jack Eichel has it in spades. And I like for me, what he's going to bring to this team five on five, it's going to be fantastic. What he's going to bring to this team on the power play, I, I think is really where I'm I'm going to be clued in because for a Golden Knights team that has been better this year on the power play than they were last year. And for a team that I think is is growing confidence at, at times and have has have have had stretches of the season where they've been fantastic on the power play. You want it to be a little bit more reliable in terms of you're not going to have three or four, four or five, six, seven games where you're not converting on the power play. And I think that's where Jack's going to help this team the most. In all today, you had five lines, 15 forwards, and you had eight defensemen on the ice. No Zach Whitecloud. Uh, of those five lines and eight defensemen, uh, two are not expected uh, to play uh, this week in Jack Eichel. And Alec Martinez, but the line configuration today had some interesting combinations. Chandler Stevenson back off uh, COVID protocol mm-hmm. uh, with his two regular wingers in Pacioretty and Stone, the misfits together. Then you had that third line that's becoming a, a real staple to this team in Nikwa, Evgeny Dodonov, and Matthias Yadmark. Mm-hmm. The final six players. So if you're trying to gauge on who's going to be in the lineup coming out of the All-Star break, the line that wears the yellow jerseys considered the fourth line. Brett Howden with Keegan Colasar and William Carrier. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth line, Nolan Patrick, who was skating in the most previous game with the top unit. Mm-hmm was between uh, Michael Mario and Jack Eichel. Yeah. So what I get out of that is Brett Howden has taken a pretty significant step with his play on the most recent road trip and then against Buffalo. Yeah, I think Brett Howden deserves to be in the lineup, and, and it's hard to really make an argument to the contrary. No. He has been fantastic. Yeah. He has done everything you would expect and hope and want from a player in that position playing on your fourth line and the center position to do. He's chipped in some really big goals. He's done everything right. And for me, Brett Howden goes in for sure. He's been fantastic. He came out on the road trip. Mm -hmm. Patrick stayed in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when Howden had the opportunity to slide back in the lineup, uh, he produced. And it may not be a a long-term thing. Like Patrick's not going to sit out five games in a row. Right. Yeah. But when this team, like this is as close as they've been to fully healthy all year. And especially uh, up front. And you're starting to see where players slot in and not just because they have a, a space to fill, but this is based on production and performance. And Brett Howden, it took him a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Done a really good job, and he 
that fourth line has been a difference maker for the Vegas Golden Knights because of Brett Howden. Yeah, and and it's it's that that tide changing, right? Mm-hmm. That that philosophical difference in what you want out of your fourth line. You want them to go out there, provide you energy for sure, but you want them chipping in goals. And the way that Will Carrier has been playing this year, he has been fantastic for the Vegas Golden Knights. Keegan Colasar, I think, is starting to kind of get that that groove of what is expected and what is what this coaching staff is looking for him to do on the fourth line. You get a strong four check established. You get guys that are bringing the puck to the front of the net, being dogged on the puck. That's how they're creating. That's how they're finishing. And that's really what you need out of your fourth line. Colasar is an interesting one. Are we starting to see the thaw in consistent point production? Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I don't know that it's there yet, but I think we're getting closer. And I think, the more he's able to play with Carrier and 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 Howden or Carrier and 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 Patrick, if that's what the line's going to be, the more dialed in and the more they're able to go out in those fourth line situations, I think the more you're going to see it. And Carrier, the experience that he's had playing up top, whether it's with Chandler Stevenson and or Patrick and Stone, mm-hmm. whoever uh, was on the lineup, I think is is really. Uh, fuels you with optimism in what he's been able to do. The other part of these combinations is the Misfits is is one of those lines that never gets fiddled with. Mm-hmm. Wah, Yanmark, and Dodonov gives Vegas arguably their deepest, most consistent, most stable first three lines that this organization may have ever had. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? No, oh, it's 100% fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what that combination of Wad Dodonov and Yanmark has been able to do has created real stability on and production from the third line, which in my time here has has been a bit of a void. It has been... Alex Tuck and trying to determine what mm-hmm. players you can complement with him while he is the guy doing the heavy lifting. And what you get out of Yanmark Wandadonov is three guys working together as a line. Three guys that, that are able to interchange, that are able to work off of one another, that are building that chemistry, that are going out there and make and being difference makers. Like it's the first time that I think the Golden Knights in their entire history. Maybe outside of year one, even then that that it wasn't so much the third line, it was the fourth line that was really, really strong for the Golden Knights, and the third line was kind of all over the place. This is a third line that I think every single game, you know what you're going to get. Mm. And and there were periods of time within the Golden Knights' history where third line, it, it depended on whether or not Alex Tuck could do it all on his own. It's not the case here. It won't be this week, but it might be next week, and it might be the week after. But number nine is going to slot back in. Mm-hmm. So in saying that you have the most stable top nine forwards and the most stable and first three lines with an identity, mm-hmm. now what do you do? Well, um, it's really it's a really intriguing issue. I, I leave the window open for something could happen. Sure. But right now, if you if you take a look at the the first three lines, Stevenson, Pacioretty, Stone, the Misfits, and then Hua, Yanmark, and Dodonov, mm-hmm. 
where does Eichel go, and then who comes out? I mean, like, I, I know that you know where I stand on this. I don't want a top line a patch or Eddie Eichel. So where stone. do you put him? Where would you put him right now, knowing that they're healthy and they're and you have three different lines that have at different points this year been really good for you? I you pause. Imagine what Pete DeBoer is doing yeah, right it's, now. It's impossible. Like I, I like the idea, and and I don't know how feasible this is going to be. But I like the idea of establishing a line for Jack Eichel where you, your your goal, score goals. That's that's what I want you to do. Every single time you're on the ice, I don't care about defense. I don't care about anything else. Just go out there, put the puck in the back of the net. So, like, from that aspect, I like the idea of Pacioretty, Eichel, and Dodonov. Like, you look at those three guys, you put them on the ice, you have the so ability. you're disrupting two lines? I know. That's the problem because yeah. I don't see, like, an easy – put him in this situation and only move one player solution. Like I just, I don't like outside of pushing Chandler Stevenson down. But again, like my argument with that is when you have patch ready, Stevenson and stone together, you're at an elite level. When those guys are on, how much more can you ring out of that with Jack Eichel? 1% if that. So like, I want to see a line established around Jack Eichel that gets you those elite numbers that you're getting out of Patch, Eddie Stevenson, and Stone. And I don't know that putting Eichel between Jonathan Marshall and Riley Smith is necessarily going to lead to that. I don't know whether the misfits are untouchable. I don't think they should be in this situation. I really don't. Like, I, as as much as you know that what you get out of them when they're all together, I think that might be the place you tinker first because if it doesn't go well or it doesn't work the way that you expect it to. You would tinker first? You can, always, you can always go back to it. Yeah. You, you know exactly what that chemistry looks like. But, I mean, like, is there is there a, a, a an obvious avenue, an obvious point to just plop Jack in in that top nine? Like, I don't think, I don't not think now. it's obvious. Not, not with the evolution of the third line. Sure. I 100% agree with you. It's, it's if, hard. If the third line wasn't there the way it was going, the way it's going right now, my idea would be Jack goes between the two big wingers and Chandler Stevenson slides down and takes the third line spot at center. Yeah. But I, I love what Nick was done and with the Donov and Yanomar. So it's, it's, it's really interesting and what a great luxury to have for a headache. Like yeah. if there's, like, if there's you, ever a good headache, this is it. it. You were saying it, and I could see the gears turning in your head as you it's were a saying huge, it. It's a huge positive yeah. to find a spot with your, within your top nine for a top ten player in the National Hockey League without disrupting the entire thing. And mm-hmm. I understand what you say about uh, m- moving a couple of different players around and, and almost creating three new lines. Uh, but but I, I'm a I'm a person that likes to disrupt the least. Yeah. But I just don't know where like Nick Waugh's done a lot of good things this year. And and that's that's the the interesting thing about this for the Golden Knights. And and I think going into the off season, and everyone was talking about this team and what they are down the middle, what this team is from the center ice position. And now you've got an overabundance of centers that are yeah. doing. Exactly Good what things. you expected and wanted them to do. 
And that's without factoring in Howden and Patrick. Yeah, no, I, I 100%. And that's, again, like, you're, you're looking at a team right now that's legitimately got, what, six or seven mm-hmm. NHL caliber NHL centers that could play any any night of the week. And that's going to be difficult to to find the combination of what maximizes this lineup, but also what maximizes Jack Eichel. It makes a, a huge impact if you can possibly use these athletes and this depth for your load management in March if things work out for you. Mm-hmm. And you can pace yourself in March. But a two-point lead for first place right now is tenuous. you got to build up a cushion before you can start worrying about that. Mm. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, those uh, are your Vegas Golden Knight updates from today's practice. Tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers, we have a roster update uh, for you from uh, the team from the Alberta Capitol coming up in one-timers. Plus, we'll get into some uh, COVID protocol uh, issues. We're not out of the woods just yet in the National Hockey League. Uh, we've got one-timers. Newton notes from around the National Hockey League next on the BGK Insider Show. Maybe a two-on-one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores! It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insider Show. What time is brought to you by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Coming up, a conversation about what the Vegas Golden Knights lines will look like when Jack Eichel is ready to go in. Pete DeBoer's got a plan. Well, I'm sure he does. He just hasn't let us know about it. Well, I mean, he's not going to tell a bag of milk. Oh! And me... It's not going to tell me. I tell him what to do too often, right? I'm sour now. I'm sorry. Like a bag of milk. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Mm -hmm. Good learning lesson for some guys. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Edmonton Oilers, the first opponent coming out of the All-Star break for the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. Two-game trip to Alberta for Vegas. Mm -hmm. Calgary on Wednesday. And the Edmonton Oilers will start... Mike Smith in goal tomorrow night for that 6 o'clock Pacific face-off on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Yep. Mike Smith, who's been limited to six games this year. <laughs> he uh, had, a, had a thumb injury and then re-injured the thumb. It's his blocker hand. Hmm. So holding the stick is a, a relatively important part of goaltending. Sure, yeah. Uh, I don't know whether it was a fractured thumb or not, but it was, uh, it was an injured thumb. Mike Smith is also one of the top puck handling goaltenders in the National Hockey League. How much does it affect him there? But uh, he's going to make his, his first start since uh, early February. Yep. He uh, he um, has lost his last three decisions. Mm-hmm. There's that. Um, we all know how I feel about Mike Smith. I hope that he's healthy and ready to go and, and that he can kind of get himself back to the level of play that he had last year in the regular season. Certainly not in the playoffs, but the regular season. Um, this doesn't scare me if I'm if I'm the Golden Knights. It doesn't scare me if I'm a Golden Knights fan, because I don't think Mike Smith is all that good. They were two eleven and two during the first part of his absence. That yeah, tells you that he's impactful. Then they turned it around and went five zero and one. Now the important part about Mike Smith's return tomorrow, and if you're wondering, okay, he's been out this long and they're rolling, they're five zero and one. Why would they? Go with him right out of the Olympic break. Miko Koskinen, who's mm. caught fire, yeah. uh, did not practice today, placed in the NHL COVID protocol. 
So he's out. Not ideal. No. But, uh, you know, again, Mike Smith has the ability to steal you a game. He still does, even at his age. So who knows? Maybe Changed he'll come gear. back and be phenomenal. Changed uh, gear. Did he? Yep. Uh, just uh, he's trying something. He's very particular about his gear. Okay. But he's changed uh, his pads. I don't know. Well, I'm curious to see about that just from a goaltending standpoint. Uh, Pete DeBoer did say uh, after being around Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid that uh, that those two players, they're aware of the situation. Said that uh, Connor McDavid, when they say goodbye to the All-Star game, said, uh, uh, we'll see you in a few days. <laughs> so they're, they're, they know who's coming up on the schedule, just like Vegas does as well. Uh, Pete also said none of those All-Stars got it out of first gear here that's that is not hard to see yeah it was it was a very light stroll of escape that's mm-hmm. all i'll say on the subject of covid protocol a couple of uh, teams have been impacted coming out of the all-star break evgeny malkin placed in the nhl covid protocol Doubtful to play against the Bruins on Tuesday. I would say so. He's on an eight-game point streak. Hmm. Pittsburgh's cranked it up lately. And we have Jack Hughes in the COVID protocol. Yeah. Bummer. Chapman says he could tell. Really? Yeah. Because, oh, come because, on. No, no, no. I quote Chapman. I talked to Jack at media availability. And he sounded raspy. Oh, boy. That's the way that went, right, Chapman? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he, Have he you had... ever listened to Jack during interviews with he, anyone else? He, he he seemed like he was a little out of sorts at media day or following the uh, the, the game. And maybe he was tired because he just played. But Dr. Chapman. No. Oh, boy. Um, no. I mean, look, it. it if if he had not tested positive, then then maybe you say, yeah, maybe I was imagining things. But the fact that he did test positive, like within 24 hours of playing the game, maybe there was something to what I saw and heard. I think you're just trying to sound cool. Why? What? Well, come on. I don't ever. I don't. I don't need to worry about sounding cool because. Well, every, I have a question. Everybody but my kid thinks I'm cool. I, I, have, I have a legitimate question for you. Yes. Did Jack like your hat? He didn't say anything about my hat. Oh, you didn't ask him? No. Why? Because, I mean, I I wasn't thinking about my hat. Should have been. His brother Quinn is also into COVID protocol. Did you see Quinn around? No. Was Quinn here? I, I, I would imagine he was, but I didn't see him. So there's a there's a couple of players that are into COVID protocol. The uh, Winnipeg Jets have lost defenseman Neil Pionk and Pierre-Luc Dubois and Austin Pagansky. Uh, uh, I've never watched Austin Pagansky play, but uh, Neil Pionk and Pierre-Luc Dubois, very important players. So all these players coming off All-Star weekend, mm-hmm. when you have to test in, yep. huge that the Vegas Golden Knights, let me go back to 15 forwards and eight defensemen on the ice. And the only person that really wasn't on the ice uh, was Zach Whitecloud with a broken foot. Uh, that's 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 beating the system all not beating the system, but uh, getting a, a step up just uh, just by that fact. It's good fortune for now. 
Right? Mm-hmm. Like it's good fortune in, in a season where the Golden Knights fortune with COVID and injuries has been really, really tough. So unfortunate. Yes. Good <laughs> uh, fortune when it's been unfortunate. Yep. Claude Giroux, one of your three stars of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, first star, NHL All-Star MVP. And uh, boy, did he soak it up. Yeah. Well, along with Steven Stamkos. Now, I will give Steven Stamkos a star because Giroux had his, uh, had his youngster mm-hmm. at the podium and Stamkos had his uh, youngster at the, at the podium. And Stamkos, he, he's brilliant. Because he's standing there, he's got the microphone in front of him, and his uh, his young lad says uh, Zamboni, <laughs> and Stammer tries to answer a couple of questions, and his youngster says, "I want to go to the Zamboni," and Stephen stands up and says, "Gotta go." Yep. And he went over to the Zamboni, and uh, and he walked up to uh, to Richie and Chris, the two uh, brilliant Zamboni operators over at T-Mobile, and said, "He wants to be the Zamboni. He likes to." be around the Zambonis. Can he can he sit on it and mm-hmm. stuff? And and uh and Chicago, that's Chris's nickname, and Richie said, Yep, absolutely. So they got to to hang so the Zam guys got mm-hmm. to hang out with Stamkos. Yep. And Stamkos's youngster got to sit in the Zamboni. One of the most relatable moments of the weekend. Yes. For me. Like easily one of the most relatable. Like there are moments where you just simply cannot complete the task at hand because you got to go see a fish or you got to go see a dog or you got to go see something in this case, a Zamboni. And isn't it great? Like Stamkos is a future hall of famer. Yeah. And what's he going to do? Look at a Zamboni. Yep. Kids run the world, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys also chatted with uh, Mark Messier oh. uh, at the skills competition. What did they talk about? Uh, asked uh, They asked Mess if he'd ever drove a Zamboni. And uh, he said once. Yeah, and it was at some hockey school or whatever. They did it overnight, and it broke down, and uh, he never did, never did it again. <laughs> that is that is leadership there. Yeah, it is. Uh, second star goes to Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the third star is Mason Marchment. Mason Marchment's one of the great stories of the National Hockey League this year mm-hmm. with the Florida Panthers. Yeah, incredible production. What he's been able to do this year uh, for the first place Panthers, but Marchment had a six point week. Uh, last week, and he has uh, he's he's lit it up. Eight for 15, eight 15 for 23 and 22 games. He's a point per game player. Pretty wild. I, I mean, like it, it's funny because you look at that entire Florida Panthers team. Is there a player on that roster that isn't having a great year? I don't think so. Like it, it's just you're you're catching a bunch of guys getting career years, career years. And for the, the for the Florida Panthers, like the, the the goal here is maximize on this while you have it this year. You got to go all in at the trade deadline, and you got to give this team everything, every opportunity it can possibly have to win in the first round and go on and win the Stanley Cup. Hey, I want I want to have this conversation at some point this week. Okay. Could we see at the National Hockey League Awards presentation new winners? At, with every trophy? I think realistically, yeah. I think we can. I don't know when they're... I got to check and see we'll, when that's happened. We'll dive. Last time. We'll dive into it. But Vesna, Hart, Selkie might might be Barkov's. That might be the one that ruins it. Mm-hmm. But Norris, 
there's a lot going on with with guys making you would have thought Art Ross or Hart would go to one one would go to McDavid. You did. still might. Hmm. But we'll see. Uh the National Hockey League uh, announced today that uh, for their stadium series game in Nashville, my buddy Dirks. Oh nice. And Miranda Lambert are going to uh, share the stage. Dirks Bentley and Miranda Lambert. That is going to be cool. That'll and be Luke fun. Bryan's here for a residency. Yeah. I'm getting I'm getting my fix. You're right a big now. country guy, right? Huge oh, country okay. music guy. Oh, Seriously? A little bit of a oh, from the back of the room from, yeah, from Chapman. It's, it's I, I mean and, a, and I'm classic rock too. Yeah. It's tolerable, but I, okay. I don't get right. excited to about Dirks or or Miranda Lambert or You can't call him Dirks. If you're not, not a fan, you can't call all right, him Dirks. Fine. Mr. Bentley. No, no, how no, about no. that? I mean you can call him Dirks Bentley. Okay, Dirks Bentley. I think name. I think when we had tickets to give away, I called him Dirks. Yeah, you did. You yeah. did. That yep. tells you how, how much I pay attention to I forgot about that. To Dirks. I forgot about that. Yeah, that you could have glossed right over. No, no, no. That that's my job to bring up embarrassing moments in, on this uh, broadcast on this show. I totally forgot about that. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, have conducted some interviews for their vacant general manager's job. Peter Shirelli, Stanley Cup champion with the Boston Bruins, mm-hmm. most recently with the uh, Edmonton Oilers as a GM, but right now he's employed by the St. Louis Blues. Scott Mellenby also in the mix there probably wouldn't go Shirelli but that's me the person they should hire is sitting right in front of them is right in front of their face yeah I agree with you Eddie Olchek yeah 100% he's on the search committee well he needs to look in the mirror with Patrick Sharp and just say this guy that's who they should hire I agree hockey knowledge PR, it all. And I think that there's a PR aspect to this hire mm-hmm. right now with uh, with what's happened uh, with the with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, those are your uh, one-timers for February 7th. What? I said it earlier. Oh, wow. I said it earlier. Wow. It reminded me. Those are your one-timers for February 7th, 2022. The one-timers presented by Paul Powell Law. More lawyer, less fee. Catching up with Chapman's next. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Hi, Darren. A lot of different directions I could have gone today, but I will go here. There was an article... And it was a it was oh, an no, opinion this is, piece. This is never good. No, it was an opinion piece in the Toronto Star yesterday that women's hockey should be scrapped at the Olympics because it's dominated by two teams. And I I firmly disagree Boy, that's with that's a new take. I yeah, I, I firmly disagree with that. I mean, look, the best way you grow the game is to keep playing in the Olympics, regardless of who's winning the medals. Because there was a time when the dream team was beating Teams by 60, 70 points. And, I mean, I don't want to say the rest of the world is caught up to the U.S. in basketball, but certainly the U.S. is not a lock to win the gold medal every single time they step on the court now in basketball. So, uh, you know, I guess it's just a bad take. I, I, I just have a real difficult time getting on board with that because women deserve their opportunity to shine in the Olympics playing hockey, and I don't care if they're representing Japan, if they're representing Canada, the Czech Republic. 
You don't scrap it because two teams are really good. I mean, only three teams have won the gold medal in hockey in recent memory. So it's only one more than the women's side. So it's, I, I just can't get on board with the idea you scrap it because only two teams could win the gold medal. I, there's nothing like Canada-U.S. women's hockey. It's it's so good. The rivalry is so fantastic. Yeah, you're right, Chapman. That's a terrible take. There was drama yesterday. Canadian team didn't take to the ice on time mm-hmm. for a game against Russia. But it had to do with COVID tests. Russians had a close contact. Russian Olympic Committee, I should say. Because they're being punished from Sochi. Uh, but they were cleared. They ended up playing the game an hour later than uh, scheduled. Canada won. Tomorrow, Vegas, Edmonton will tee it up for you.